0: Love Talk Radio. radio
1: good evening monster x radio listeners this is Gunnar monson Uh, with me today as always is my good friend shane corson and also with us today is julie wrench the whole monster x team is here with you so uh welcome and uh, we want to welcome our special guest today former army ranger jeff stapleton retired uh, excuse me U.S. Army Retired Command Sergeant Major Jeff Stapleton, who is also a former Army Ranger and survival trainer.
2: Welcome to Monstretch Radio, Jeff. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me tonight. Hey, Jeff. Well, we've,
1: and we want to thank you for your service to our country.
0: Yes, my sure honor. I speak
1: for, so. so we're going to talk today about how um, your unique set of skills um, Applies to what you guys do out in, in the field in, in investigating um, Bigfoot and Bigfoot suspected activity. Um, tell us a little bit about yourself.
2: Uh, well, I'm, uh, like, I, like you said, former Command Sergeant Major, United States Army. I served in the infantry and uh, also in the, the engineers, um, spent 25 years in. Um, my background, as far as the training history goes, is I've had experience in uh, Arctic training, jungle warfare, desert operations, and then uh, woodland operations. So. Oh, very cool.
1: Um, and you and Julie are uh, investigative partners out in in
2: uh, your neck of the woods, correct? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We go out and investigate the Aurora.
1: So Julie, hey, tell, tell us a little. Go ahead, go ahead, Shane.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask Jeff a quick question, <laughs> real quick. I was going to ask Jeff, you know, with your experience and and in, in, in traveling um, both in the United States and, and I would imagine some foreign countries, uh, what kind of what kind of terrain have you uh, trained in and and uh, what Have you actually been in uh, you know that you know that you bring to the table as far as experience?
2: Well, I would say mostly in reference to Bigfoot, it'd be here in the United States. It would be mostly mountainous and uh, wooded terrain, woodland terrain. Um, I have uh, spent some time up in the Arctic um, and also in the desert. I don't think they've seen any Bigfoots in the desert, but uh, they have in the Arctic, from what I understand.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, yeah. They. <laughs> funny you mention it. They supposedly have seen bigfoot in the desert uh uh, at least here in the united states but uh i'm not sure yeah yeah i know right uh uh, i did a lot of work in in southern california and and, uh there were reports down there even so yeah i don't i don't know if i buy into them a whole lot but there were reports um you bring a lot to the table jeff you bring a lot to the table with your military experience you know i got a brother in the marine corps and a brother who's army ranger himself and uh i yeah, and I uh, I lean a lot on them for uh, their experiences and their know-how. And so I appreciate uh, individuals such as yourself. Uh, and, and uh, man, am I stoked that you're actually uh, – I know you're a skeptic, and that's awesome, but you're actually investigating um, suspect reports and getting out there and, and stuff like that. You bring a lot to the table. And nowadays it seems that what's lacking is not just scientists in this endeavor – but also those that are, have highly trained skills, those that have something to offer. And uh, uh, I think there, there's more of this needed because you have a bunch of, right now, you do have some citizen scientists, you have some scientists involved, and you have certain people with skills involved, but not enough of them, quite honestly. It's mostly you know, a bunch of people who, who really don't know what they're doing, quite honestly, in, in, in the woods, in the field, and they don't really know what they're looking for. And that's not necessarily their fault. They're just not trained. Uh, you, right. on the other hand, you and Aaron Jeff are are trained in, in a lot of uh, in a lot of ways. Can you can you describe a little bit about uh, your, your specific set of skills uh, and 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 what you bring? Uh, what what do you do when you go out, uh, you know, researching or, or uh, investigations?
2: Well, the assistance that I give Julie is actually uh, the uh, somewhat of the tactical aspects of it, as far as being you know quiet and observing and listening and also uh my navigational skills you know we go off trail and stuff and you know julie'd be lost for days if it <laughs> wasn't for me out there keeping her on track you know true, true yeah so you know and and also the the uh tracking part of it you know we'll we'll find different areas where we may suspect something and and i try to put those skills to use to try to figure out what kind of animal it is so those are very useful to her
0: well, useful okay. to most yeah yeah um you know one of the things that comes up uh you know when it comes to you know uh, sasquatch is how you know how unbelievable uh, how unbelievably uh, stealthy uh they could be you know um a lot of what I see happening in the bigfoot world is a lot of this paranormal stuff that people talk about oh, well i you know what it was there, it was gone, or, or, you know, that sort of thing, and they can't comprehend it, but, you know, I would imagine yourself, sir, as, you know, as far as being involved in, you know, as a ranger, I mean, you were trained to, uh, I mean, this is kind of right up your alley, trained to disappear and, and trained to uh, not, not, not be, seen. be seen and not be heard. I mean, how, how uh, can you describe a little bit about, um, you know, your, your track, not just your tracking skills, but... You know, uh, some of the training maybe or some of your, your know-how or experience in, in just, you know, disappearing. How, how can something in the woods just disappear?
2: You'd be surprised how easy that is. Um, you know, we, uh, we train a lot in uh, movement as teams and to do observation work, of course, and to do a reconnaissance. And uh, it's a discipline. I mean, you really have to, to apply yourself to it. Um, you know, moving, in, moving in, a, in a woodland environment, for instance, you know, if we're on patrol, we don't talk to each other. We use hand and arm signals. I mean, you know, we try to be as quiet as possible. We we look at the terrain and we try to traverse that terrain as quietly as possible, you know, not stepping on branches, not moving through real thick brush that makes a bunch of noise, you know, those types of things. We use we try to use the terrain to our advantage. Mhm. Well,
3: let me ask you this and I know we've talked about this
2: before, but
3: I a lot of times and it is mind-boggling, but There'll be like one, two, three prints, and boom, they're gone. Um, or even one nice print, and boom, they're gone. There's, I mean, it, you could be like along a, um, you know, where there was mud, and all of a sudden, you look past that, and and you cannot find another track. I mean, how can you kind of explain to to some of us that that aren't familiar with how you know, with the manipulation of how you access through the terrain could cause that?
2: Well, yeah, I mean, you know, in a tactical situation, we try to leave as least amount of uh, a footprint, so to speak, as possible, and, you know, walking lightly and walking over things and walking around things, and you got to look at the environment. Like you said, you know, it might be muddy or soft terrain in one spot and then hard in another, and once it once it transfers over to from muddy to hard, I mean, you're just... You're just not going to see a track, mhm um, water's a good way to to uh move through an area uh, within a matter of minutes, even though the water has been disturbed within a few minutes, you know it's back to normal again, so you can't track that
3: right. Do you think that they could use like say you're say you're um getting close to where there might happen to be one of these creatures and there's a, a lake or a pond nearby. Do you think they would insert themselves into that body of water and remain very still until you pass by?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that could be a, a learned survival skill that, that they use. I mean, um, I know from what little bit I know about Bigfooting that uh, they have been known to be near water.
1: hmm And it would and make yeah, sense that absolutely that possible. That- Yeah, that in their environment they would utilize whatever, um, just just as we, it's more of our learned behavior for humans, but if they live in that environment and then they kind of own that environment.
2: Absolutely, they become one with the environment and they utilize it to their best ability for survival.
1: Just like like other proven animals do. I mean, that deer and elk and and bear and, and mountain lions do the same thing. Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. And and you know, one of one the two, as a as a talking point on this is that most uh most researchers, enthusiasts, whatever you want investigators that are in the, in in looking for Bigfoot or evidence of, they're always looking for this pristine track, this pristine foot impression. I think they miss a whole lot of stuff. And mm-hmm. in regards to one track You know, uh, Derek Randolph taught me this, and I consider myself a a fairly decent tracker, and uh, he's taught me a lot, and one of the things he taught me was, you know, where there's one track, there's always going to be more, but you're not always going to find that perfect impression. What if they get down on all fours?
1: What are you looking for
0: then? Yeah, yeah, you're looking for maybe knuckles, knees, uh, you know, and so to the untrained eye, you're like, well, I don't see another foot impression. Well, what direction Mm -hmm. were they going? you know is there broken branches is there soil that's been turned up uh is there in indentations in the soil that's evidence of something taking a path you know absolutely and so, and, and uh you know uh, yourself jeff as you know as a ranger i mean i know you know well about this how to leave no track you know you may leave one but you know it's going to be very difficult to probably figure out what direction you're going in because you're going to make sure of that
2: well, absolutely and you know when, when we're out there looking too if uh you know, if we ever come across a track like that, and it depended on how fresh it is, that may indicate the direction that uh, the Bigfoot may have been moving. And you know, some of the things we did in the military is we do we would do an area search. We would fan out and check that area around the footprint. Yeah, and,
0: right, right. And 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 what I find nowadays a little frustrating is that most people give up. They they think, oh wow, you know, it, there's one. How how is there only one? Uh, impression, or one track, or one footprint. You know, this thing just like disappeared, and I and I I look at it quite differently. I said, no, it, it just it either took a different direction, or you're just not finding, you're not looking hard enough, or don't know what you're looking for. And I think that's absolutely not, nine out of ten times, that's exactly what's going on there. So People just don't know what they're looking for because they're not trained observers and mm-hmm. they're not trained um, at, at at finding or tracking. And that's you know, it's you know, if, if you're in this game, I suggest you you kind of learn learn how to track. You know, uh, uh, I think it's very important, and you're missing a lot of potential evidence or finds uh, by not properly tracking something or looking, you know, trying to understand what you're looking for and what it may be capable of doing because Sasquatch hasn't been proven yet. So I would I would imagine uh, that, you know, our quarry is uh, pretty dang smart and can make itself disappear very easily, <laughs>
2: Well, absolutely! You know, tracking is also a discipline. I mean, it's you know, you're not out there for a walk in the woods. I mean, it takes work. You actually yeah, have and to then, get down and apply yourself. You know,
0: right? And then you're dealing with all sorts of different terrain, all sorts of different weather. Uh, you know, tracking's different in every you know every different type of fauna. I mean, you got different uh, areas with different types of forests, and then you have got weather. You know, whether it's raining or hot or dry, uh, there's all sorts of things that play into that. And then you got to be kind of familiar with most and then uh adapt to uh to that environment as far as you're honing in your skills in the search of your you know whatever you're looking for
2: absolutely you know another thing you can do is uh you can take crib notes you know on what you think maybe uh, a bigfoot would do its its behaviors as as we think they are and you can apply those to uh, movement for the creature too to try to track it mhm
3: well something that Shane just touched on um you know, like what's going on um, weather-wise when you're out there. Is it raining? Is it sunny? Do you think there's an advantage with um, investigating, if you will, these creatures when it's raining versus when it's not raining? And if so, why?
2: Well, tracking, it would be a disadvantage because obviously it would would probably wash out the tracks. But as far as being stealthy, the rain is is real good for that because... uh, it creates noise itself, and it and it uh, drowns everything else out, like your movement. You know, uh, they wouldn't be able to hear you as well. And would that like cut back on the smell of? Oh, absolutely.
3: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So it kind of it it
1: kind of negates or or minimizes some of the advantage that they would have uh over humans in in dry sunny conditions.
2: Absolutely.
3: Well, uh, and my thinking is if they're you know, evolutionary um taught these type of things. I mean, I don't know if it's learned or if it's through evolution. I mean we don't know what we're up against here, but y- you would think that um they might even think, hey, it's better for me to go hunt when it's raining because that deer's not gonna be able to hear or smell me.
2: Done that many a time. You know
3: what I mean? It's like no. I've I've had people I've seen people discuss whether it's it's worthwhile going out Investigating in the rain, and I think it is myself
2: personally if if I had a preference and I was on a mission, I would say the perfect uh, conditions for me would be dark under cloud cover and rain
0: mm. Mm. that's uh that's a pretty profound statement there I mean in a good way, that makes a lot of sense to me and um, i <laughs> I also think too i mean there's a lot of sightings in that sort of uh, uh sort of circumstances but how, how, how much goes unnoticed in those uh mm-hmm. sort of scenarios i mean i could only imagine because humans that's not their element i mean especially if someone's not uh, trained to be in those elements that's not what we're built for it's, we're, we're usually uncomfortable in those situations and we're just not made up to, to be in, in that sort of scenario but a sasquatch I imagine that's perfect i mean that's that's perfect uh for them as as you just stated if you were doing what you were doing jeff uh that's that's the your your ideal situation
2: absolutely i agree hundred percent on that
0: yeah that's uh yeah that's that's a great statement now I wanted to talk a little bit about um, you know one of the things i i find fascinating you know with reports and encounters specifically is how someone will be out doing something and uh, all of a sudden. They'll see something move. You know, I don't, I'm talking specifically about a Sasquatch sign where they were staring at something, or something was in the area, but it stayed motionless. I mean, just absolutely still for 15, 20 minutes. I mean, just still, and they couldn't pick up exactly what they're looking at. And then the thing will move or take off. Jeff, being with you know, being involved with the you know, as an Army Ranger in the military, I mean. How important i mean i mean and, and you could elaborate on this, but I mean the art of being you know still and motionless i mean we're not most people are not trained observers, and you know if something's at a distance if it's uh standing still uh chances are you're going to take it for a stump, a tree a bush uh only when it moves do you really kind of pay attention uh you know I would imagine you you know with your experience that uh you were, you know, you could stay still for a long period of time, and I'm sure in your training you were forced to do that.
2: Oh yeah, um, yeah. I mean, um, I I I'll tell you one of the techniques that I that we that we use is, is what they call scanning. You know, if you if you think there's something out there but it's not moving at all, you just kind of scan back and forth on it, and you use your peripheral vision, and a lot of times. When you do that and, and whatever's observing you thinks you're not looking their way, that's that's actually when they move and you detect that movement and then you can figure out exactly where they're at.
0: Yeah, and that's been reported time and time again with uh, the Sasquatch phenomena in, in reports and encounters. Is It's when that person turns to leave or turns or takes off, does that Sasquatch or Bigfoot in these reports actually move? Uh, you know, and and a lot of cases have happened with FLIR, you know, uh, at night where somebody's filming something and you get a heat signature and it's not moving. It's just not moving, and it's All only right. when they pan away or look away, does that subject, that entity, whatever, actually move. It's kind of aware that it's being watched and realizes the, um, I, I would imagine the significance of being still, and then only when the uh, the person that's watching the subject moves or or takes a gaze off it does it move uh you know i think that's something that a lot of people uh it's hard for them to comprehend the amount of i mean for me Sasquatch has made an art out of it it's it it's built to do this and it knows to stay still it knows if it moves it's going to be seen and that would that wouldn't just fall in line with uh, actually being seen but a hunting thing you know a hunter a perfect example of this is if you're hunting you're not out there flailing your arms, looking around. You're, you're not being twitchy. You're actually sitting still, and you're sitting very still, and you're focused uh, because you're, you don't want to spook anything. hmm And
3: that reminds me of um, – Jeff and I had this discussion before about, like, when they were um, doing different practices, and they would have to do the belly crawl and, you know, go a few inches, stop for hours, go a few inches, stop for hours – and who's to say these things aren't on their stomachs ten feet from you, and you can't see it because you're looking up eight feet looking up for something that's eight feet tall
0: oh yeah <laughs> that's a that's a great point uh I, I I know Jeff could probably chime in on that as well, but that's mm-hmm. a great point everybody's everybody's always looking up for Sasquatch, and they're never looking down or looking up higher than what they suspect a sasquatch they're always looking at that seven six feet right they're
3: looking at for that eight foot tall creature when, you know, you could have walked right past one and it was like a foot from your foot or something.
2: And it was just laying there flat on the ground. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's, that's, that's instinctive to most animals, you know, when they see something and they think there's a threat, they automatically freeze. They don't move, you know, and they observe you until it's safe for them to, to move on. And then they do so.
0: Yeah. We've we've talked about this before on the show. Uh, Gunner, I'll let you chime in in a sec, but, but you know, I know, uh, you know, I was just, I think about this all the time. How many times in my, when I'm hiking or walking or, or camping, have I walked by a bear or a cougar and never saw them, a deer, whatever, never saw them, but they were there. And I guarantee for most people that have been, or they're active hikers or campers, uh, they get out, not necessarily in remote areas, but you're an active hiker, I guarantee you. Probably hiked right past a cougar or a bear or a deer or something of that nature and never knew it because not only did they stay still but you know they and motionless, but they're quiet and they're aware of you and you're just not aware of them and they wait for you to pass the threat, to pass by, and then they move.
2: Absolutely. Yep, it's instinctive to them. I mean, if people actually knew what's out there watching them, they'd probably be terrified. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you <did>. yeah, Indeed. <laughs>
2: I had an incident when I was in Panama um, where I was up on a a hill and uh, there was a small opening down in the jungle and I actually observed a jaguar, which is very, very rare. And, you know, I was upwind from it, so it didn't see me, and I was able to observe it for several minutes before it moved on.
0: Wow. Wow, yeah, that is is extremely rare. Uh, um, (laughs) uh, What was your reaction when you came across that?
2: I was awestruck. It was the most beautiful creature I'd ever seen.
0: Well, that know. that reminds me
3: of something too. Though um, those jaguars, we know that they're there in Panama jungles, right? We know that there's more than one, and you spent buku hours out there in training under long periods. Hundreds of hours. Yeah, hundreds of hours. Yep. And we know they're there, but you only saw one one time.
2: Yep. The whole time I was there.
0: Yeah, and and to me, that's amazing, but yet not extremely amazing because. Uh, when you don't want to be seen, you're not going to be seen, mm-hmm. and as far right. as I'm concerned. I mean, if you don't want to be seen, and I would imagine a jaguar uh, does not want to be seen. Because if it's Absolutely. seen, then it's given Very up. Very stealthy creature. Exactly. Well, I, I think Sasquatch has to be the same sort of thing. I remember um, I was out with Barcatino not too long ago uh, up near um, Mount Rainier here in Washington where he his first uh, sighting was through a thermal uh, min- monocular. And uh, he described Seeing this, this thing When he first panned on it, uh, it uh, When he described it as a Sasquatch When he first panned on this thing at night um, This thing was down low to the ground And watching um, Some of the other guys uh, To the left of him Which were you know several yards away Around a campfire They were singing He was panning around the, the thermal monocular And he came across the thing and, and it was actually watching them But it was low to the ground It was very low not what he expected to be looking at or for. And when he saw this thing, eventually, it kind of stood up and and, and, and had its back to him and then took off. Uh, but at the time, he said that the the scary thing for him was he had just been in that same area taking a whiz. He was down oh, the hill wow. taking a whiz. Uh, and he said he said that that thing must have been down there when I was taking a whiz because I came back up and grabbed the binocular and was clearing that general area, and there it was. It could not have been that far away, and so not only was it stealthy and quiet but it was watching him and then it came up and it did not have a clear sight of where his position was but it had clear sight of the campfire and everybody else and it must have thought he went that direction but he had clear view of it and he said it was it was it was like uh, basically like a sniper it was down really low behind a log watching them and so huh. uh, that, that, that goes brings right up into, a good
2: point too that yeah. you know a silhouetting at night you know i mean just because it's dark out doesn't mean you can't detect someone's shadow or their movement, and when you're really low like that and you're you're in the shadows themselves, then you blend in.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's why, uh, if indeed that's what he saw with the Sasquatch, it didn't uh, not just it being blended in, but uh, he he himself, Bart, being blended in because it it, it was like he could hear Bart's voice because he was trying to whisper over. Well, Cliff Berkman was there as well. He was he was uh, going, hey Cliff, Cliff, Cliff cannot hear. Uh, 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 Bart's voice, but this 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 thing that was watching him, this probably this Bigfoot, uh, would hear Bart say that, and he would look around, but it didn't have direct uh, line of sight on Bart. And he said he felt like this thing could not, he was confused. It couldn't figure out where he was at, but he kept looking at the fire because that's where the noise was coming from. But then he heard this voice off to the side, and eventually decided the this thing decided to take off. But uh, he said hmm. because of his silhouette and, and whatever else his his where he positioned himself. This thing could not get a, a good sight of him. But, you know, my point was basically was that how low to the ground this thing was. He was, uh, g- or Bart basically described it as being kind of creepy because this thing was so low. And it was very aware of the the people in the camping area. Uh, and it was, it was you know, basically trying to sneak up and take a peek without being seen. And it wasn't, you know, it wasn't standing up and swaying back and forth. It wasn't, it was, it was you know, watching them, and it was down low, all fours almost on its belly. And that's 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 pretty, uh, yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah, and, you know, in the military, you know, one of the techniques for moving up to a position, you know, it may, in some cases, depending on the enemy situation, it may may take about an hour to get to to a point of observation, and that's low crawling a little at a time and just sneaking up little by little until you get to a vantage point where you can observe what's going on. Mm -hmm. And this creature may, you know, be doing some of that
0: right right what are well, your jeff, thoughts you, jeff on go, no, go ahead, ahead, go ahead no you got um, you got um, a line of question go ahead okay well I, i'm going to jump into something else cause, you know uh, i wanted to jump into uh, a line of question in regards to because you know military you know especially those in special forces in in the rangers and and whatnot Are trained, you know, I mean, they're trained in biblical environments. They're trained to be observers, uh, uh, be aware and hyper aware. You know, they don't just walk into an area and and just, you know, uh, do their thing. They're very much the observer. How important, Jeff, is it to be, especially, you know, even as a hunter, you know, uh, and whatnot, to be uh, aware of your environment? You know, I would imagine Sasquatch to be not just aware of their environment, but to be, you know, have, you know, this hyper awareness. I mean, they're born in this environment, Mm -hmm. as other animals are. You know, I mean, they're hyper-aware. They're always on alert. That's how they survive. But in your training, I mean, how does that apply to research in the field? Uh, I mean, is that something that you take to the field? And then uh, on top of that, as another question. I mean, if Sasquatch is real, uh, what do you think, you know, how hyper-aware could they possibly be?
2: Well, you know, there's, a, there's a, a huge difference between awareness and hyper-awareness. You know, awareness is just us and our everyday activities and just being aware of our surroundings and, you know, being, for the most part, you know, good with it and calm and everything. But you become hyper-aware or hyper-vigilant when you feel like there's a, a danger or a threat. And your your senses really become heightened at that point. I mean, your adrenaline starts pumping through your body and, you know, you start listening and looking and scanning and just every little thing around you, any little creak or crack or pop or anything, you know, you go right to it. Uh, As far as going out and hunting at night here, I'm able to just flip a switch in that respect and just go into that mode and just hunker down and just really, really listen. Now, when it goes from daylight to dark, it usually takes about 20 to 30 minutes for your eyes to acclimate so that's about as much sight as you're going to get for the night unless you got, you know, NVGs or whatever, night vision goggles. But, yeah, that's that's very important. You know, hypervigilance is very important in being able to detect anything or a threat or anything that's out there.
1: Well, having that, I mean, highly more highly trained because I think that it's been trained out of us um, as, you know, city folk that don't spend as much time at least the folks yeah. that get out and, and hunt <laughs> hunt, you know, a lot, um, like our friend Larry talks about getting in that, you know, sinking into the environment from um everyday life into the woods, it sounds like because of your your high amount of training, that you like you said, you can flip a switch and, and um go from into hyper awareness. So it oh, is absolutely. a skill it's that a that people can develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So Jeff, so you're you're still skeptical. When we say skeptical, um, how does that apply to the research that you're doing in terms of Bigfoot?
2: Well, in terms of Bigfoot, you know, to be quite honest with you, I don't really believe in it. But I would, I'd like to be that guy that actually discovers something that's tangible. So when I go out with Julie, I take it very seriously. You know, I mean, we go out and we look and. You know, we we crawl around and we look around, and you know, we really take our time and look through an area. And if we see something that we suspect is a track, we really take that serious. So, you know, I mm-hmm. I think you know me being skeptical, bringing that to the table, just makes me work that much harder to try to prove something else.
3: And me as well, because if I see something, I'm like, "Whoa, well, what if?" And he's like, "Nope, there's no what if." <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you see a tree well, breaking, you're like, what if, uh, no, that's not, no, nah, nah, that's not evidence,
1: <laughs> Right. And, and that's oh, being skeptical And I, I consider myself a skeptic of the evidence. I think there's a preponderance of, you know, anecdotal stories. I, I believe that I'm still at 98.5. I, I tell people that it varies a little bit depending mm-hmm. on the day, but, but cause I have not seen one, which I refer to as the confirmation experience. And, Absolutely. uh, you know, and I just folks that I just know too many people that, that have claimed to have sightings, including uh, Mr. Corson here, that, that um, I don't, I, I think that they know what they saw. So that's, that's what gets me mm-hmm. to 98.5. I, I don't think I've had enough uh, experience, the stuff that I've experienced that's weird that would go in the weird bin um, I don't think it would be enough to move me that close. I might be at 50% just on my own personal experience.
2: No, you know, I, I, I use an analytical method when I go through my thought process on things, and I try to rule everything out rather than rule it in, because if you can't rule it out, then it becomes something that you need to investigate.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's called the null, hypo- null hypothesis. You Yeah. Know, uh, yeah, and you try to rule out everything before you lean on Sasquatch. And, and you know, and, you know, um, I, I will say that I'm a bit tainted because I I for me personally I know Sasquatch exists, I've seen one, uh so that's not a question, but I'm very much it's actually made me more uh skeptical of the evidence and of the stuff out there because I mean quite honestly, if every tree break, every impression, every whatever was a Sasquatch, well it would have been we would have proven Sasquatch exists a long time ago. I oh, mean absolutely. it would have been yeah. Yeah, done deal, especially yep. with people such as yourself in the woods who are
1: mm-hmm. out there
0: investigating. And I appreciate, um, pardon me, I appreciate uh, the skepticism in that approach because uh, there's too many confirmation bias in this in the mm. approach and oh. in this study. the
2: study. Yeah, the boat loads. What? What? <laughs> what?
0: No, don't <laughs> no, say that. No. What? <laughs> you go in the woods. Yeah.
3: You know. And stuff, that's you the the sometimes only because. Some people don't even realize they have that confirmation bias mindset because of, of their background. They just background. don't know what
1: they don't know. Yeah, they right. go in there and and- you
3: can't. I mean, you can kind of look at some of that stuff that is posted on social media and roll your eyes and stuff, but you, you know, you zip it and, you know, but we, we if don't post very much stuff on social media for those reasons because we just. I mean, we, we've seen stuff and we've, you know, collected things and, you know, we just don't go running out to social media and going, hey, look at this, man, you know, what, what do you think this is and stuff? Because it's just, first of all, there's too many, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for, rude people?
0: <laughs> right, um, that was polite. That's yeah, a polite ru- way to put it. Yeah, too many rude yeah.
3: people that... I've seen rip people to shreds and I mean there's a difference between ripping somebody to shreds over something and just saying maybe it could be this instead and, and a lot of times they they'll get butt hurt and not want to hear about it but you know they're putting yeah, it out literally. there and that's why we don't really anything that we find of um evidentiary value and it's important we we're not going to share it on social media you know right. and then people are like well you you must not be a very good investigator because you don't have a facebook page full of footprint pictures <laughs> and, and it just drives me mad because i'm like i'm really not into all that posting things because until i see a creature leave that footprint i can't 100% tell you what left that footprint i can just tell you i have this weird footprint that is outside the the known um, dimensions of what a, a human being should have.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's a great point. And and I'd rather personally, I'd rather take, and I do, I'd rather take somebody such as yourself, Julia, or Jeff, or Gunner, or you know, many of the people I go out in the woods with. Uh, even those that have had sightings that are very skeptical, because if I come across something that I think's compelling or very interesting, and they, I get a reaction from somebody that says never had any. Real association with Sasquatch, other than coming out on a trip, whether it's a scientist, a biologist, or a are layman, and they go, "Wow, that's that's interesting." That gets that you know gets my cackles up. I go, "Okay, well maybe we're really on to something," and I can get their feedback, and their knowledge, and their experience, and and also uh, you know, hey, I'm not perfect. I get excited sometimes, a little bit too excited in the field when I'm I, I think I come across something unique or interesting, and the that skepticism or that uh, different set of eyes can go, hey, you know, it could be this. Let's not jump to conclusions here. It could be this, it could be that, or or it is this, or it is that. And that really um, really keeps you um, honest and complacent and makes you look at it a little bit differently because uh, do I want it to be a Sasquatch impression or a tree break or whatever, hair, nest, whatever, but is it? And to have that uh, level of skepticism or honest honesty uh, that's truly important because uh, anybody could anybody go out in the woods and find something interesting and then claim it's a Sasquatch and then you know what you can jump on social media and go hey look what I found it the Sasquatch did this but then where does that get you at the end of the day Uh, back to square one and nowhere absolutely nowhere it doesn't get you anywhere and so uh, skepticism um, and honesty and, uh, you know, uh, an approach like that really, uh, to me, is, you know, it's an honest step in the right direction.
2: Well, science doesn't well, prove anything, in my opinion.
0: Yeah. Oh, right. But, yeah, go ahead. Go, go,
1: yeah. No, that, Jeff, you're exactly. It, that's the point I wanted to make, too. Sci, science doesn't have an emotional attachment to the results of what right. you're studying. I mean, science. Really test, yeah. Test hypothesis, test results and then you don't try to fudge the result because you want it to be a particular way. It's okay. I, I found this, I vetted this evidence. This was the result. And yeah, sure. It's, you know, uh, because it's, we're looking for Bigfoot. Sometimes it, it, there, it can be a tendency to, to uh, be over-enthusiastic with with what the
2: fines are. But and that's human that nature, you know, you're out there, you're right. all excited and you see something, you're like, Oh my god, that's Bigfoot. Well that could
3: yeah, so
1: long as you put
2: that could be in there. Yeah, it's right. I, It and could, I, could
3: have been right. but we won't know that. And I I can tell you one time in Ohio, I was down in this goalie and I was looking up on the other side of the goalie at some distance. This is probably like a fifty, sixty yards away, and I saw something. It was a, it looked like it was about four feet tall. And darken and, you know, very dark, kind of moving side to side. And then it kind of just stood up. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a wild turkey. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I remember that. Remember I laughed, that,
3: Jeff?
2: I, I was laugh, like,
3: run! <laughs> 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 run? At first, you know, your mind's thinking there's something behind that tree swaying back and forth, and all it was was just a wild turkey cleaning itself.
2: So.
3: <laughs> you know, you got to stick around and see what the, what it was. Well, when you you can't just... Yeah, we need... When tell you don't,
1: out of there when you're seeing something that's not familiar or that you don't see every day your brain has to go through that file of okay what could it be we right. had an experience a while back where we were hiking up this trail and and Susan turned around and it was a guy running but at first it was like what because he wasn't you didn't expect him to be there where we were at and it's like y- your brain even has to like a really known object sometimes is like because of the the circumstances, is like well, you have to figure out what you're looking at. So you have yeah, to bring us
2: to process that.
1: Right. Yeah. It's like not. I, I don't expect to see a person here. So why am I seeing a person? But it is. It, it wasn't Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. But well, more that, often that than not, when when we're seeing things, it isn't Bigfoot.
0: Yeah. That ties in with another point is, is how well animals are adapted to their environment. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, I don't, hum, you know, humans like to think we're really, really special, and we, we know everything, we can see everything. Um, I think the military appreciates this, and hunters appreciate this more than your average layman, is the fact that animals in their environment are the masters of their environment, and we are not. We don't live in their environment. We, it's, our, it's our playground. We, we go out there, we hike, we hunt, we fish, we camp. We don't live there. We don't live in that environment, and we're we're not adapted to be in that environment.
2: No, we do the best we can to try to uh, adapt to our surroundings and become, so to speak, one with the environment, you know. Um, How
0: important is that? Yeah, Yeah, how important is
2: that? One one of the interesting things. things Mother Nature is uh, the best adaptability there is, that in evolution, you know. Throughout time, we've seen different animals, you know, adapt and change to their environment.
1: Well, one of the interesting things, points that you brought up earlier, Jeff, was that you spent hundreds of hours in what is Panama, hundreds of hours in the, getting used to the environment and trying to learn to adapt to that environment and how to blend in that environment. Hundreds of hours, and that most most uh, of us are not out there doing that,
2: learning. Oh, yeah, you we know, beat the bush a lot, so, right? So
1: that's that's an excellent
2: <clears throat> point. And, you know, that, that just goes back to your experience, too. You know, the more you're in an environment and the more you get to know it, the more you're going to be able to to uh, rule out things or rule in things.
0: Mhm. Right. Anybody, anybody can call themselves a researcher, investigator, an enthusiast, whatever. But truly, for me, if you're really doing the subject any justice, regardless of the outcome of your findings or the outcome of the subject, you're going to learn your environment inside and out, and know every type of animal in that area during every type of season uh you know i mean I would imagine with being involved with the military, I mean that's right up your alley
2: well that's yeah. a, that's an excellent point you know i i I was an instructor for survival training uh with a friend of mine in Ohio, and we taught classes and uh you know your knowledge base before you go out is very important. you have to know what's indigenous to that area you have to know what kind of plant life is out there, you have to know what kind of animals are out there you have to know what uh, what season you're in and what the seasonal conditions are going to be. I mean, there's a lot of factors involved there.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, something um, you said that you were out there, you know, hundreds of hours, and which I know you were, but a lot of people don't know, you know, your your history, your background, like I do. But we've had this conversation before. But when you were out, and I know you you spent a lot of time also in the woodlands of the United States of America where there were bears and panthers and different things now. How many times have you
2: found a complete bear carcass? I had, and the whole time I've been out in the woods, and that's, you know, that's a lot more hours than hundreds of hours for me. Um, I have never come across that, never. A skull, a bear skull? A bear skull once. That's the only thing that I ever came across. I've never Uh, come across any remains that were decaying. I mean, Mother mother Nature takes stuff back quick, and creatures, they get things, and they drag them off, and they eat them. You know, squirrels eat the bones, and um, other animals, you know, are out there eating the stuff too, you know, coyotes and things like that. So, you know, that that type of evidence doesn't stick around for very long, and then, of course, there's decay involved too. Right, and then,
3: like, when you were in Panama, did you see any? there, There are primates in Panama, they're not large, but there are primates, and there's, you know, we know that they're there. We know that there's other creatures there, like the, um, the jaguars. Have you seen any of their bones intact?
2: No, absolutely you know. not. I mean, that sighting was very rare. I mean, that, that's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. But you haven't exactly.
3: found any primate bones or no,
2: any monkey nothing. skulls? or no they have there was a lot of holler monkeys out there, which is a small monkey that sounds like a nine hundred pound gorilla by the way mm-hmm. but uh yeah, as far as their remains i have never come across any mhm
0: yeah no that's that's a that's a that's another great point uh, it, you know uh, and there's a lot you know what here in the Pacific northwest there's a uh, a lot of people that go missing and they're never found
1: mm-hmm. uh, oh, and absolutely. they got
0: clothes, they got backpacks. Some t- in some cases, they got, you know, fishing equipment. They just disappear, and they can have hundreds. Without any time.
1: sign. With things that Without don't any sign. With de- things that don't decompose. You know, like their yeah. clothing. Oh, yeah, I absolutely. mean, it takes and a you, long you're time. You're talking, when
2: that. you go down to Wendell area, like, you know, the Aurora here, for instance, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of square miles of woods, you know. I mean, what are the odds? You know, it's, a, it's like a needle in a haystack.
0: Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is a needle in a haystack uh you know i mean people go missing all the time and never found it because uh you know animals and the assist, you know the acidity in the soil uh everything nature has a way of making things disappear really quick and there's a lot of reasons for that you know it's the whole pyramid effect but mm-hmm. you know uh, it's not mind boggling me that we we haven't found uh bigfoot bones i mean shoot i've never come across a, a bare body or a bear skull you're very fortunate uh, I know somebody, uh, a hunter, a good friend of mine, that originally came across a complete belt body, and he had the the he had the antlers and the skull and everything, and he was floored. He was a once-in-a-lifetime find as far as he's concerned, and he's lived his whole life in the state of Washington.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely and, uh, right.
0: Yeah, and he was just, he was he was amazed. I mean, just amazed, and, and, you know, he was all giddy about it because it's just that rare. Right. But then yeah, again. I would be
2: excited.
0: Uh, I, and a lot yeah, of people uh,
3: use that um, as an argument as to why they don't exist is because, well, where's the bones? Where's yeah, that's body? generally the first thing that a
1: skeptic...
3: That's the first question that they right. bring to the table if they're a skeptic, is, well, why right. haven't, hasn't anybody found a body? Why, why hasn't one been hit by a car and left on the side of the road? And, you know, it's like, I don't know. <laughs>
0: but, well, well even if... When things go to even, die... Yeah. Go ahead, Shane. When things go to die, I mean, uh, whether it's a house cat, a dog... A raccoon uh, Freaking moose, it doesn't matter They mm-hmm. don't just, you know, usually Unless they're taken out by a predator They don't just go out, and I would imagine Sasquatch is, you know, the apex predator In its environment They, uh, they don't just go out and die out in the middle of a the road They'll, you know, if they know they're dying, they're sick they're, they're injured, they'll go to the deepest, darkest place And rest because they don't want to be eaten alive And they want to die in peace And they don't, you know, and they mm-hmm. want to disappear And that's, yep. I mean, truly
2: Most animals uh, are like that
0: yeah, most animals are like that, you know. And man, I'll tell you what, if I was in the woods and dying, I sure don't want to be found alive by some predator and eaten no, alive no. and can't defend myself. I'm going to be yeah. making sure that if I'm going to die, it's going to be in a spot where they can eat me after I'm dead.
3: Right. Yeah. yeah. Which is
0: exactly <laughs> what would happen.
1: Yep. Yeah. But, and but another even, point, so even if so there are bones that are out there, how 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 many people walking through the bone, walking exactly. through the woods and find the bone are going to bring the bone back? So you
2: could, you know, I mean that's
1: or know unless
0: with, you or know what they're looking identify. Yeah, oh I mean, yeah, you,
1: too. You, you, would you would come identify, across the bone
2: and you, you don't know what it is. You're just like, okay, there's some bones there, and you move on. Well, right. that's most, probably
3: yeah. a deer bone or a you know a old bone of, or.
1: Exactly. Most of the bones that are found are common animals, anyway. Yeah. But you know, for me, my, in
2: my experience, deer has been the most bones I've ever found. I mean, that's just because they're so plentiful. I would say.
0: Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, some of the things too, though. You know, with I, I have come across deer bones. I have come across elk kills or elk bones. You know, one of the things that seems always to be missing, uh, not always, but in a lot of cases, is the skull and the antlers. Mm-hmm. It's like, what happened? It disappeared. Um, And there's a lot of predators, uh, and not even just predators, there's a lot of, you know, vermin, um, you know, porcupines, raccoons, mice, rats, you know, all these things that deer, I mean, yeah, deer, exactly, if you look on YouTube, you can see deer eating, yeah, Yeah, eat bones, I mean, there's a lot of things that will take care of a carcass real quick, and uh, for whatever reason, In some of these cases, I don't know why this is, but a lot of times I've found, you know, with deer and elk, that the head's missing. You know, I would imagine, (laughs) and I've seen this before, you know, when that's missing, those that are researching the subject of Sasquatch go, ooh, this is interesting, the head's missing. And and they go, oh, the neck's twisted and all this and that. Um, But nature uh, and animals in general can do a lot of weird things to a body in no time that uh, it would take a lot of uh, physical evidence to push me in a direction that something... uh, Bipedal and something of the nature of Sasquatch, you know, took care of that animal in a fashion of you know killing it or eating it or whatever. Uh, I think there's a lot more plausible explanations for some of these rare bone finds to be explained.
2: Yeah, you're you're
1: absolutely right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, the most uh, most easy explanation is is the most likely explanation. I mean, you you can't jump again. It's you 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 can't jump to you know. Oh, it was Bigfoot that killed this deer because I found Bigfoot bones, or I found oh I found Bigfoot bones. I I, I found deer bones, so Bigfoot killed it, or the bodies in a, any particular way. Sure, there. If you found, you could find a, in, in theory, if Bigfoot exists, they probably eat deer, so they may lead, You know, you could come across a kill, a Bigfoot kill. But well, how would you identify it as being right. Bigfoot yeah, be versus anything hard. else? Yeah. So. Unless you did really forensic, you know, examination of it, you would never know. You can't, there's way too much people making definitive statements about things being this or that, that this is attributing it to Bigfoot when they haven't eliminated any other, any other, yeah,
0: or all other possibilities. Right. 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 Jeff, have you? Jeff, have you? Is there anything in your years, uh, in your many years of, of investigating this phenomena, is there anything that you found, uh, whether word of mouth or online or just in the field? Is there anything that you found to be not necessarily compelling but interesting, suspect that you, you that made you pause and go, well, there may be something to this this phenomena.
2: Well, you know. Uh the most common thing that they find is the footprints and that's you know that's the most compelling for me i've um you know there's been so many people that examine those and they and they can't really explain and you know they they um, they can't you know link it to any particular animal known species so you know that 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 to me is the most compelling and it really you know and all things that we've just talked about and uh trying to detect this animal out there that's that's the most evidence that we've ever found. And, you know, maybe we'll get lucky enough someday to come across some fresh tracks and be able to track mm-hmm. one down, but, uh, you know, that's that's kind of a baseline for me.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's kind of where I think a lot of people stand, at least those that are, you know, never had an, uh, a sighting or those that are going about their business honestly and, and really trying to, to uh, get an answer in a fashion that uh, science will appreciate. And that uh, actually, just even your 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 honest Bigfooter would appreciate is that sort of approach and that sort of idea. Now, you know, I, I wanted to touch again upon you know how how well animals uh, in general blend into the woods, into the forest, into their environment. You know, you being involved with the military, you know, as an Army Ranger, um, I mean, you 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 had to adapt to cert- to actually all environments, I would imagine. But um, how? I mean, can you? Talk a little bit about Jeff a little bit about you know then how animals in general i mean we take it for granted that you know animals they blend in and, and whatnot, but we don't appreciate it I don't think you know if if there is a sasquatch out there, I mean how important would it would it be for a sasquatch to to blend into an environment and then you know stay hidden how could it how could it do this
2: mm-hmm. well yeah I mean it'd be critical to its survival to be able to do that, and you know once again, you know mother nature's the the best material for that, you know, the the creature adapts over time and evolution into its environment, and uh, you know it comes up with different patterns and different colors and different shapes on on its body in order to fit in with the environment. Um, so
3: let me ask you this: you've probably, and I know you've seen I've showed you some of that stuff out there on the internet where uh, people are like. <laughs> <laughs> doing these videos, and they're like, oh, there, there goes a cloaking Sam Squatch, and he done turned invisible. Now, tell me, Jeff, do you think that these things are interdimensional beings that can, you know, turn themselves invisible, or do you think it's a evolutionary um, ability that they have learned over the years to, to camouflage?
2: I, I think it's evolutionary, uh, definitely. And, you know, you know when you talk about an animal and its different camouflage you know it it you know if it's a woodland environment maybe it has some different shades you know brown and green or or whatever in it to in order to blend in with the landscape you know the, it can also use the natural environment as camouflage too such as shading and ravines mm-hmm. and crevices and you know those types of things
3: okay but you don't think they're inter, they're uh, interdimensional
2: or i mean i know you military people have your secrets about these Bigfoot, right? I heard that the Rangers went did. out looking for him one time, but I I wasn't on that team. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, it's always somebody else has the best luck. I never get the good missions. I know. <laughs> right.
0: Jeff, Jeff, are you giving us misinformation? Are you leading us down the wrong path? Are you trying to confuse us?
2: <laughs> I, I'm, I, I I'm pretty sure that the Bigfoot, this time.
0: <laughs> the
3: Bigfoot community
1: does enough of that on its own.
3: Yeah, yeah, no. Good
1: no right. <laughs> but Jeff, I got it, I got uh, we're getting close to, to time here and I have a, a, one last question for you. Um first of all we'd love to have you back on um and uh and pick your brain some more. But what sure what is my something what would be something that you would uh tell those that are out consider themselves part of the Bigfoot research community or investigators that are out looking for evidence. Um, what is something that we could be doing better?
2: Well, you know, I, in the observations that I've had and in, in a little experience that I've had of watching people to go out and do the Bigfoot thing, I mean, being scientific is, is the absolute paramount, most important thing. You've got to be analytical about what you're doing and never take anything for granted, you know. Don't make any assumptions about anything. And, and you have to apply the sciences that we just talked about out in the woods. You just can't go out and walk around and look for something. It, it, it's a learned discipline, and it takes practice, and that's what they have to do. I mean if you're gonna be serious about trying to find this creature, if it exists, then you're going to have to use that discipline. Absolutely.
1: I think we I, I, I feel that there's nodding heads on the other end of the, the show. I can oh, hear it nodding. Right. Yeah. So well we appreciate, right. we appreciate <laughs> you joining us today. Is there anything else that you'd like to to impart um to our listeners before we Sign off today.
2: Uh, just don't give up and be diligent, and maybe someday you'll be the lucky one. Wish y'all luck in the world.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff. We will be having Jeff back on. Um, awesome. Because we've got a lo- we're, yeah. we got a lot more questions for him, and I'm sure more will pop up now that we've had a chance to to chat with them. So, I, I want to thank my co-host. Shane Corson and Julie Wrench for for coming and our guest today, absolutely U.S. Army retired you, Command Sergeant Major Jeff Stapleton for for uh, sitting down and talking Bigfoot with us today, and we will be back soon with another episode of Monster X Radio. Until then, go out there and um, do some science.
3: Yes, science.
1: science, science, science,
2: science. Weird. I know it's weird science.
3: <laughs> weird science
2: yeah guys it's been a pleasure and I would be more than happy to come back and help out with anything that I can thanks Jeff uh, what are you